friend. Season 3 of the Mystical American Patriot Society is transmitting to you from a high desert encampment, on the frontier of our agrarian hoplite republic. This is a variety program for happy warriors who are getting some seriously bad vibes from the deranged post-Christian technocracy. Grab a tankard of yak's milk and join us by the campfire, as Sumo and Smokestack return to shake your surveillance, expel your parasites, and generally have a good time. Are you ready? Stand by. Wait, 
wave on wave, wave on wave. Wave on wave. Wave on wave. Wave on wave. Uh, hello, Cavi. Good good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Wherever it is in your part of the world, I believe that it, you are you are in a different country, a different time zone. It could be any time for you. It could be midnight. It could be tomorrow. Who knows? Nobody knows. What would you describe it as where you are right now? Is it morning, noon, or evening? It is morning. See? No, it's morning for me, too. So that's good. So that means we're on the same general side of the of the hemiflat or whatever this is we're on. The hemisphere. Yep. Where the sun uh, is rotating above us at approximately the same spot. Yes. And so it is it is good. We are we are in the in the uh, thing today. We're going to talk about uh, a lot of things. Nutrition. Uh, a person that came back from the dead. We're going to talk about numerology in the news. And also uh, visions of hell. Visions of hell. It's going to be a fun one. It's always uplifting wow. when we talk about uh, people in hell. That's always a fun show. But uh, it's important. It's important. See, the thing is, um, you know, this this show is is love and light. I think that's obvious. This show is love and light, and we project love and light into the universe, into all five dimensions. I think and, there's more than that. Yeah, well, that's true. Into all five that we know where where human beings reside. Okay. Into the, all into the five dimensions where where the enlightened people who are trusting the plan reside. Um, we project love and light into all those dimensions. But I just I felt. I felt that we have a little too much love and light lately in the world, and we need a bit more uh, hatred and darkness. Because um, I was this really got this guy was started with Cernovich. Are you familiar with Mike Cernovich, the guy with the lisp? I am. He uh, he was on a thing. I think he was on what's it called? The guy with the beanie that is balding and doesn't want anyone to see it. Um, Tim Pool. Tim Pool. Was he on Tim Pool or was he just con- I don't remember. But he said I don't something. Know. I'm more confused that he's still even around. Me too. He does no relevance uh, forever. He got his start in the Manosphere years ago offering very sketchy dating advice and recounting his experiences uh, with ladyboys in Thailand. But, you know, and then he became somehow a, a Trump figure. And then, uh, who knows? Who knows why he's still there? Everything self-imploded after that. Yeah, self-imploded. Married an Iranian woman. Always questionable. And uh, then he, I don't know, he's still around. But he was on there going like, listen. And Tim Pool does this too. He's like, listen. Western civilization is tied to Christianity. You can't have it without Christianity. It just becomes decay and social decay. And like, yeah, that's sort of true, probably, but also, well, two things. One, there was a Western civilization before it, and the Greeks and the Romans built cool stuff. But two, um, that's not why you do religion, and that's not a sufficient thing to get people to reconsider it. Like, oh, you know, like you can't do, you can't LARP. Religion for the societal benefits, I guess, is my thesis. Does that make sense? Like, it doesn't, 
if you're just yeah. doing it because you want society to go a certain way, I don't really think you're going to have the heart in it, you know? No. Um, I think you got to have a little bit of conviction about it. And so one of the, and so the reason people are religious and have been through time is traditionally to do with the afterlife and what happens to them and what may happen to them. And everyone knows about the good spots. Like every time someone dies and you go to a funeral, they always go to heaven. It's always better. No matter how, no matter what kind of person they were, right? Uh, and we just need, uh, I just felt like we needed to, to just bring in the other side. Let people see that, um, you know, there is love and light and that's what we project. But also there's the not love and light. And maybe sometimes that happens and that wouldn't be good either. And so you need like this, you need this visions of eternity to actually have a meaningful religious society. I think, I don't think you can do it just because you want the architecture to be better and you want there to be less uh, drag queen parades or whatever, right? I don't think you can do it for those reasons. So I, I have a, I have some, some, I have, we're going to go through today, some people that have had near death experiences that didn't go well. You know, everyone's heard of the near death. And we did a show on the near death experiences where everyone goes to heaven and like, Oh, I saw light. We're going to talk about the ones where they went to the bad place. And there's not a few of those. People don't like to talk about them because they're very scary. But there are people that are uh, near-death experiences. They're in tremendous trauma. They almost die. They get resuscitated. And they come back and like, whoa, that was not cool. As we're talking about that, we're going to talk about numerology in the news. The latest um, space sex. Space sex. Space sex. Get it? Space sex. did that on purpose. We'll talk about that uh, explosion uh, and everything else. Um, but first... Cavi, I believe you you brought to my attention that someone, a recent someone, has come back from the dead, much like Jesus. Although it took them, yeah, it was it was an Easter miracle. Easter miracle, Easter yeah. miracle. Was it on Easter? I, it, if it was, it it was like Easter Monday or something. It was very close. I don't know the exact date she made her appearance, but it was very close. Yeah, and that's on purpose. They don't do anything like yeah. that. They definitely chose that day for me. But tell us who came back from the dead. It's someone we talked about on the show years ago. Yeah, her name's Tiffany Dover. You might remember her. She's the nurse who was one of the very first people on TV to get the COVID vaccine, and then she just collapsed. Yes, I do remember her. She disappeared, and things got really weird. And for two years, um, nobody's heard anything from her. Her social media has gone silent. There was one sort of weird post that said something like see you on the other side of paradise that was her last <laughs> post yeah i remember and, that and now after two years she's just like oh yeah i'm back i'm fine and don't don't mind that i look kind of different totally not a different person but i'm fine yeah she, and she now does she's, look she does look very different yeah her her face structure and bone structure and somebody mentioned that her like hair part is in a different spot which yeah, apparently like, is the thing. And you know, it's not it's not so different that I couldn't believe it's the same person. I can believe it's the same person that had some work done in the in the absence, maybe. Um and had a new hairstyle and dyed her hair different. Like, you know, it's not like it's not like the Fetterman thing from last show where it was like clearly a completely different human being. Yeah, it's not that crazy. 
it's it could be her, but it's a purposeful the symbology here of like of of she dies on camera, she disappears, and then she's resurrected on Easter and look in a new body cannot be overlooked. Like that's seems obviously intentional. Yeah. And I'm not sure what occult spell is being cast with that. I think I think it is probably because it happened about the same time that they officially declared the COVID sort of over. And so I think it may have to do with the uh, and COVID lasted like, you know, from the beginning to the end, basically three years. So it's like mimicking the three days of, of death and resurrection. So I think I think she is this icon of. I think in some articles when they talk about her return, they even use the word icon. They call her an icon, an anti-vax icon. Um, she's an icon of the death of the American, the old American order or the old American worker or the old American social contract and its rebirth into this new thing that, that COVID brought through. Because I do think society, even though things have, have people have quit worrying about COVID, the understanding of people's role in society and what they feel like they're allowed to do and the role of the government is completely different. And so they are, they are different people. Like they are more, I believe, subservient people. They are more controlled people. They are more enslaved people. And um, I think that she probably represents that, but I'm not Maybe. sure. Did you have any thoughts on what her reappearance in a different sort of form could mean? No, I just be think a different like, person. Yeah, but like my biggest question is why now? Like everybody, myself included, had forgotten about her and right. moved on, and now all of a sudden she's back. She's she did this big NBC News interview thing, and mm-hmm. now now she's even going. She was just on some kind of like uh, the Patriot Panel podcast and stuff. So I don't know what she's doing. But she's like, yeah, I'm back. And the reason why I was silent for two years is because the hospital didn't want me saying anything and then collapsing again. And then it would make the hospital look bad. But people have contacted the hospital and they were like, no, we never said anything like that. Yeah. And also, like, she could just post on social media or something like that's such a silly argument. You don't have to if you have if you have an issue where you get really scared and nervous in front of a camera and faint, which some people do. Fair, okay, not very many, but some. Then just don't do that. There's tons of ways to communicate today. You don't need to be, and so that's such a silly reason. And also, like you said, why? Where did this media push for her come now? When everyone had pretty much been like, whatever, and forgotten about it. Yeah, like if you go to her Instagram now, uh, a lot of it's actually been scrubbed. There's way less posts than used to be there. But the latest ones are all these like super high production videos where they're doing her makeup and getting her ready for like these interviews and stuff. And she's clearly got professionals like handling all this now. Yeah, I believe I, I think she may be a catastrophe thespian, which is their preferred supposed to crisis actor. I believe she may be a catastrophe thespian. I'm not sure. But she. um I think, I mean, it, it coincides, her coming back coincides with the official declaration, like from the White House or whatever, that the COVID emergency is now done and it can be put to, put to bed and people don't have to worry about it anymore. And like all like good little cheap 
all of the hospitals were just like, oh, okay, and now we don't have to wear masks anymore. As though anything in the physical world had changed. Nothing in the physical world changed at all. It's just paper from from on high. Yeah. It's all that it's all that happens. And and the degree to which paper from on high manipulates people's lives is sort of crazy. But um yeah. but I think that, I think there was something with that. I'm not sure we'll ever understand the full extent of the of the Tiffany Dover spell. Um no, it's super weird. It's very weird. It's very weird. But the but the timing is is very sus. The look is very sus. The silence is very sus. Well, um, at the time too, there were people investigating it, and they found a death certificate. And the theory yeah. was that they had shipped her body back to her hometown, which was in a different state, and mm-hmm. they did the the death certificate and funeral and stuff all over there. So then it didn't show up in the same place she was living or something and nobody noticed right so i don't know and it and, and this gets back to my sovereign citizen thing but a death certificate doesn't mean a, a human being actually died it just means the legal entity attached to the straw man is considered dead yeah that's uh, technically correct so they could totally do that and have no actual human pass i i don't i you know i don't know there's a there's a this is the thing it gets into the like the the uh not to beat a dead horse, but this is people there's this new meme going around where people try and do a gotcha on the government being like, oh well see the government is committing fraud in trans cases by putting the ID as male when they were born a female or whatever. That's fraud. And they're like, ha, gotcha. But no, that's not fraud because the ID is a straw. You can make the ID what it's not you. It has nothing to do with you, really, unless you want it to be something. Your your ID, your license, all of that is not you. The birth certificate's not you. The death certificate is not you. And so you can you can manipulate those paper things. They're just legal entities like an LLC or a sole proprietorship. That's all they are. Because the government is completely a realm of paper, and the only thing it can control truly is is other paper. And only by people identifying with that paper do they control people. And I know that's a weird concept if you're wrapping your head around it, but uh, it's true. Just, uh, just, you know, <laughs> you know. Um, my favorite sovereign citizen is Tom Barnett. I've mentioned him on the show before, and he has some. Are you familiar with him? You ever watch his stuff? Him? No, I've encountered other ones, but pretty much everyone I know who went sovereign citizen and tried to not pay taxes went to jail. So yeah, you have not legal you advice. Have to... You have to know what you're, and Tom mentions that. He's like, listen, I don't tell people what to do because it's like, it's like a martial art. It's like, if you, if, if you try to, if you take one boxing class and then you go try to pick a fight with somebody, you're probably going to get knocked out. Yeah. And so I, he says, I don't, you know, it's like, and so like legal defense is sort of like that. And I don't recommend people just doing that, but <laughs> But Tom does it has done some wild stuff, you know. He's Australian, so the situation's a little different. But he drove okay. around without plates or a license for like three and a half years, and he would get pulled over, and the cop would be like, "He made his own plates, like he just put his own plates on. He ma- manufactured his own plates." And the cop would be like, "Are those real plates?" He's like, "Yes, obviously they're real, and they're plates. They're right there." <laughs> and the guy was like. I don't, I get what you're doing, man, but this isn't how the world works. And his response was just like, well, I think it is. I think it is. 
And uh, people would try to give him tickets. Like, I don't consent to taking the ticket. Just wouldn't like, he wouldn't like grab it from them. They'd be like, here, take the ticket. No. (laughs) And so it's, uh, and yeah, he's appeared in court a few times. Uh, He's never been to jail. But um, it's an interesting lifestyle. But I think, but, but, but beyond that, this is a bit of a tangent from our main topic, but the goal is not to be that forever. You, you get, you understand what through the process of, of disentangling yourself from your straw man, you realize the utility of the straw man, that it is actually a liability shield for many of the things that you want to do in life, that having insurance can be good and all these things. And, but you learn, you learn to control it rather than it control you. And then you can rejoin society in a good way where you are not enslaved to the system, but using, letting the system work for you, which is, which is the point. And, and the system is actually beautiful once you understand how it works and it can, it can work for you um, just fine. You know, like I don't have any problems with the tax system or anything, you know, like I don't, but, uh, and it's, it's, it, it, the system is actually good. That's what people, but you have to, you have to pass. The only thing that makes it bad is that you identify with the straw man. And once you start to learn to use the straw man, then you, then you sort of start to get the the ability that the, you see these big companies have where they're like, well, why didn't they, why didn't they have to do the thing? Cause they understand like what trusts are. And, and yeah, this is um, one thing that always kind of baffles me. And you see, you see people still today, even being like, you know, Trump doesn't pay any taxes. And they're still going on about that. No, of course, Trump doesn't pay taxes. His personal income is zero dollars because he has everything wrapped up in multiple LLCs and trusts and everything's interwined. And he's got an army of accountants. The, yeah. the rich people don't pay taxes because they know how to play the game. This is not a surprise. Like. Yeah, the system, the system is made to help you once you understand the system. And you yeah, can there's do the nothing same stopping thing Trump you. does. Yeah. You can, you can set it up and where you have zero income, but yet everything is paid for through corporations and your business. And you can do that too. There's nothing, it's not just for rich people. It filing for these things is very easy and cheap and inexpensive. You can file for an LLC today. And it's no at the I think filing for in most states, it's like less than a hundred dollars if you do it yourself. If you lose one of these like legal Zoom things, where they do it for you on the internet, they'll charge you like four hundred. But if you do it yourself on paper at the courthouse, it's next to nothing. And you can set up all this stuff. You can have credit cards in that name, and that's one of the ways that rich people keep their wealth, and is they disentangle themselves from the actual goings on of whatever they're doing. Right. And so all that's a roundabout way to say I had the death certificate of Tiffany Dover, if it exists and is for that individual, does not indicate necessarily that anyone physically died. Um, It just means the straw man was killed. Right. And so that's good. That could mean that could mean that it happened, but it could not mean that, too. But so I don't know what's going on with her. What now? No, I was saying that's a good point. Because mm-hmm. everybody at the time was like, she's totally dead. But yeah, that's right. not necessarily the case. Yeah, you just don't. And and look, guys, you get caught in it. 
when they're like, hey, it's agreeing to be the straw man is this simple. The guy pulls you over and he says, uh, I don't know, let's say your name is Mr. Smith. He says, Mr. Smith, and you go, yes, you've agreed to be the identity. That's as, that's as simple as it, that's as, uh, the boom right there. Or every court case, they'll address you when you begin like Mr. So-and-so. And the the number one thing you do, and it's not, you're just like, I don't, that, look, that's just not, I don't identify with that thing. That's all. You're totally free to do that. Don't be belligerent. Be like, oh, it's me. Don't, don't, no, if you're being, if you're attacking, then you're breaking one of the like actual laws of God. And then they get you on that. But it, like, you don't like attack your fellow man. But just like very like, no, it's not me. Sorry. And they may get annoyed and be confused. That's okay. So um, do you think that like judges know all this stuff and you can say the right magic words in a court case? Absolutely not. They, they do yeah, not. Every, every video I've seen is just the judges get confused and like exasperated. No, absolutely not. See, the, 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 um, the judges do not understand that. Oh, I take that back. At a certain level. There are a few that do understand and you can, you can, a few people when they've escalated this to those levels, um, like there's this, there's this fellow that appears on Crow sometimes KL, if you're listening to KL, no, KL has done some, uh, he's escalated this to the point where he, um, reclassified himself as a legal, like your legal name. Your the the legal name of your straw man, your ID is always all caps. Yeah, and you and when it comes to you in the mail, whenever they address you legally, it will be all caps, every letter of your name, like David Sugarman or whatever. It'd be all caps. He legally went through the process, which sounds so exhausting, of reclassifying himself to where that thing is one thing, and then he has an identity of of normal casing like the first letter is caps and the rest are not and like he has he's a he's an american national and no longer a u.s citizen and all this crazy stuff and at the level he got to do that that judge did seem to have an understanding of what was going on but that, that doesn't mean that it doesn't um you don't have to un it's it's like this um it's like this, uh, it's like the meta law, like the law underneath the law. And so you really don't have to understand it to abide by it. Like it's just sort of the undergirding of what, how the laws are. Right. And if you, and yes, you can mess it up and you can, and like all this stuff. And again, if you're doing something like wrong, like a more like stealing, murdering, assaulting someone. It won't matter because you, the human person, have actually transgressed against an actual law. But the straw man is for things like uh, dumb, dumb stuff like um, it isn't an actual like moral law. Dri like driving a car without a license. Plate. Yeah, like driving a car or or I don't know, not having the sufficient water pumpage on your acres or some 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 silly like regulation. Right. That's okay. what that's what that sort of stuff is for. And, and a lot of people that try to use the sovereign citizen thing will do something 
blatantly immoral and then try to wiggle out of it like that doesn't work you can't like there is there is actual justice you but but it's for for more like this other stuff and anyway you'll you guys will get it don't worry it's all gonna make sense just just bathe in it a little bit uh but anyway did you see the um i want to play a little game uh and it may work it may not work it may be interesting it may be a bust but did you see the recent um spacex launch that exploded yeah a little bit a little bit uh what did you how did you feel about it well first describe what happened if you could like like set the scene for me they launched uh, the penis-shaped rocket. It was very penis-shaped, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it's their special like brand style, I guess, or something. Yeah, well, I, don't know. I, I remind everyone, SpaceX sounds phonetically like SpaceX. That's on purpose. I wrote an article about this called Sex with the Sky on my Substack. You should go to, uh, subscribe to it, everyone, but continue. Yeah, it purposely looks like a penis. Yeah, and then something, I guess, went wrong, so it was conveniently loaded up with explosives and they blew it up or something. Yeah. Conveniently they, 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 they launched their rocket and then they exploded it in the air. Right. And now there was, there was nobody on board this time. No one on board. It was just a back, back in my day. They, they blew it up with fake people on it and stuff. Yes. Back in the good old days, we used to kill fake people in the sky. Now we just kill sky bots or something uh but i i saw this and i thought you know what i know i know when i open this article about this on cnn i know before i open it i know it's going to have 33 in it i know it's going to have a nine in it probably have an 11 i know the numerology will be there i know it and i opened it up and sure enough it was and we'll go through that it wasn't even subtle, but I wanted to help people uh, see the numerology in the news and like how you can detect when there is some sort of, doesn't mean it's fake necessarily, but there's some sort of sinister, it's connected in a way to the narrative of the not nilt, the Babylon in some way. And it will reveal itself through numerology. I don't know why it does this. I've just noticed this pattern, uh, and I'm not the first one by any means um, to notice this pattern. Why this pattern is necessary, why these numbers matter to them. Well, one, why numbers matter to them at all, I don't know. Two, why these specific numbers matter, I know even less. But I can clearly see that the numbers happen. The numbers that, so like numbers you want to look for in the news is like, well, it's a lot of the ones that you guys would guess. Uh, 13, that's unlucky, right? Uh, 69, that has sexual connotations. And then like three, three, 9, 11, 9 and 11, either together or separate, but often they'll go together. 33, 333, and 666, okay? The three, the 33 and the 66, six, uh, 666, that is believed to be by many, I'm not sure about this, a reference to the number of angels that fell from heaven. It is like the, it is the Satan's number, like six six six, right? But that is people also think it's, topic of what that where that number came from. Yeah, it's a huge topic. A lot of people because a third of the angels fell, and so a third is thirty three point three percent, right? Or three point three three, and so so that 
So the, the inverse of 33.33 is 66.666. So, so I don't know, maybe. I don't know. I don't know why 9 and 11 matter so much. 11, Crowley said 11 was the most magical of numbers. I don't know why. Uh, three is probably a reference to the Trinity. I don't know, but these numbers will show up. And now it's a bit of a, this is a thing where you know that you're a real boy or a real girl and not an AI bot. Because I can't really explain to you guys when you should expect to see it. You'll just sort of recognize the pattern and just sort of know like, oh, this one's going to have, this one is going to have some numerology for you. Because if it's like not like a narrative supporting story, like if it's a, if it's a local news story about a guy that, that got drunk and knocked his cow into a pond, uh, that will probably not have numerology in it. If it's a national story about like uh, taxes or uh, water rights or something, that will probably not. If, but it has, it's one of these big overarching ones that you just sort of feel like this is important to the quote unquote narrative will very often have. Not always, but very often we'll have the numerology on it. And I want to teach you guys to see through that lens so you can start to pick up on this. And is it pareidolia? Is it just seeing things where you want to? Could you do this with any numbers, two, four? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, well, you do You do have to go a little bit um, careful because I don't know if you've yes. seen the guy on Telegram who every time there's some kind of an event, He's right there with the numerology, and he's like, oh, yeah, this is exactly 333 days from this other random event. And, and he's got this giant list of all these numbers, and it's like, well, okay, but if you just go back 333 days from any date, you're going to get a date where something happened. Right. So you got to be a little bit, like, not crazy there. You do. It's like it's like the people that do ley lines, and they draw the lines, like, this line of power, it's like, yeah, but there's enough places on Earth that you can consider special. You could draw a line to any of them. You Is know? there like an official map of ley lines? No. Maybe we should have Those... one. That should be like a maps thing in the future. Well, that's that's one of the things I've been wondering is I want to see, like, because there, there are certain things like the Great Pyramids and like major things that are supposedly yep. on these lines. So I figured there was probably at least like some major ones that everyone agrees on. But I, I would be curious to see how the lines look on a globe map versus a flat map. Yeah, to my knowledge, no. But maybe, maybe. Hmm. Um, I think that probably your big ones. So Pyramid of Giza, the, the, the Great Pyramids, rather, uh, is one big point. Stonehenge is a point. Uh, Machu Picchu is a point. But outside of like those major ones, everyone kind of just makes up their own then, I guess. Yeah, it's very, it's very, ley line science is very um, spotty. Very spotty. Uh, one might even hesitate to call it science. In fact, I do. Yeah. But it is, it is, there's something to it. I don't discount it completely, but it is numerology and, and that sort of stuff. You can easily see patterns where there aren't patterns there. Your pattern recognition can go overboard. Be careful of that. Um, but at the same time, I was 100% confident when I opened this article from CNN that it would have numerology in it. And it it delivered in the first paragraphs, you know. So CNN, SpaceX's Starship rocket lifts off for an inaugural test flight but explodes midair. 
April 20th, 2023. Okay. First paragraph. South Padre Island, Texas. SpaceX's Starship, the most powerful rocket ever built, took off from a launch pad in South Texas at 9.33 a.m. Right there, boom. 9.33 a.m. And then it goes on to say some stuff. And then it says, the massive super heavy rocket booster, which houses 33 engines. Of course it would. Left at 9.33. Had to have 33 engines in it. Absolutely. I did not. I did not. No, I did not look this up beforehand. I swear to you. I just knew it would be there. Right. And you you just have to learn to, to see it. And so. Uh, the flight reached its highest point at 39 kilometers. That's a little, eh, I don't think that, but then it was the, the gargantuan tower was is 69 meters tall, 69 meters tall has 33 inches. It's just, it's, it was obvious that they were going to do that. Just like it, it was obvious. The Washington monument is like 666,000 inches tall or whatever. Six, 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 six inches tall. They have to, do, I don't know why. Again, I don't know why. They have to do that, but they do. Um, you know, I, I don't. The uh, and I went I went through some of the past major events like I felt like the Ohio train derailment was probably one. So I looked that up from when that happened. It happened on February 3rd. That in itself is not too suspicious, but it was a third. But it happened around and it has this in the paragraph at around 9 p.m. 38 of its cars derailed nine. Three plus eight is eleven. Just, and I know people are like that's a stretch. No, it isn't though, because that's one of the rules of numerology: is you combine the, the two things. That thirty-eight is eleven. Nine eleven, right there in the thing. Okay. Um. The recent, did you see the thing about the the Catholics hosting the Anglicans? No. So, uh, the Basilica of Saint John in Rome is like the it's like the most it's the most basilica basilica in all of Catholicism, right? Okay. And they recently had um, Anglicans from the from the Anglican Church come in and do Anglican service in it, Anglican Mass. And this this is a big no no in Catholic theology, like to have to that's like recognizing the validity of another. Uh, branch of Christianity that they have they have in the past declared invalid, and so this this sent a lot of Catholic people that care about such things really crazy. Priests were upset about it a lot of, because a lot a lot of them had like thought like they left Anglicanism because like oh they believed all the arguments that it was invalid, and then they're like they're just letting them do it like it's like it, they cared about this for some reason more than they did about the time the Pope worshipped an idol. For some reason, this was a bigger scandal to a lot of them. And the Vatican said, oh, there was a miscommunication. We didn't mean to say they could do that. We thought they were some, but we thought they were somebody else. Like, yeah, sure. And so I felt that this, because this was, it's like an eroding of people's traditional faiths, you know, which is part of like the overall not milk narrative. And so I said, I bet that one has some. I click on it. Now this happened last week. Okay. Um, Click on the article. They have a picture of the Pope at the Basilica. He wasn't there at the time this happened. But they just they just had to put at the very front of the article a picture of the Pope. And the caption reads, 
the Pope celebrating Mass at the Basilica in Rome on November 11th, 2019. Happened this year, like a week ago, they had to choose a picture from 9-11. They just had to. You see, uh, I don't know. Again, I don't know why they have to, but I knew it would be there. Um, who, who, who knows? Who knows why? But they will do this stuff. These these number points are somehow anchors for their spells. They somehow it serves in some degree, some way as a signaling mechanism among people in the know. Like when they read the news, they're like, "Oh, this one's part of our op," because it has all these numerology things. And they don't. It's like a way they tell each other without having to directly communicate. It's like a secret code. That's part of it. But there's also partly some sort of um. Well, I, I'm not sure what you'd call it. Just some sort of, in some way that I don't understand, their spells require numerolo numerological anchor points. And I don't know why. But you can find this all the time. So I thought we'd play a little game. And it may, by the way, just as a side, you know what year, guess what year Newton discovered gravity? Oh, uh... Something ending in a 6-6? Six, six. 1666. Then, yeah. Who knows? Just, just, of all the years, of all the years. That's yeah, and is it the constant, like, 6.66 or something? Yeah, and the, the angle of the alleged Earth is 66.6 6 degrees, and it moves... Oh, the space the, stuff, everything is 6... Everything six, is... Six, the six, Earth six. spins at 6,000... It moves to the air at 66,600. It's all sixes. Yep. Anyway, let's play a little game. Uh, pull up an article. Give me an article, and or tell me something. To, tell me something to look up a news article about, and we'll see if we can find anything. Can you, um, look up something. And this may to be do a total with... bust because they were just trying to do it on the fly, but it may be not. Okay, so one of the latest things everybody's freaking out about is that restrict act, the TikTok ban thing. Restrict act, TikTok ban. Okay. Because it's going to criminalize like everything on the internet and take away all your freedom and stuff. So everyone's losing their mind. Okay, good. So I'm going to click on the... Alright, so here's CNN is a great place to find uh, not milk messaging. So I'll click on their version of the story. Um, and we'll just see if we have anything. There may not be anything. I don't know. Uh, we can rewind our way back through crises because there's been so many. But they there happen has been. so often and so fast I can't even remember. There's the train yeah, derailment, the bank collapsed. And I don't know. I don't know. how. I can just, when I see an article, sometimes like I know when I click on it, that one will have it. <laughs> but I don't know how to tell you like which ones I am just certain about. Um, but. Probably I, yeah, anything I, with like trauma based. Trauma based is definitely one. Anything with space has it all the time. They're always doing it's, the space is like they'll do it on like days of the year that are like all, they, every single launch is on some pagan holiday of an ancient god. Every one. Yeah, but like launching at nine thirty three in the morning, like why would you do that and not just at nine thirty? And like whose clock? Because everybody's watch is different by like a minute or two. I know, I know. Nine thirty three. You have to have thirty three engines. You can't have thirty four. Got to be thirty three. It's just. um 
So on the CNN article, I'm not seeing any numbers at all. So I'm not getting anything on that one. It's just all text with words. Okay, what about when that Silicon Valley bank collapsed and everyone was freaking out about the Burger Oh, that Apps, may have some numbers bank, in it. Digital currency. SV Silicon Valley Bank collapse. Uh, CNN. How does a bank collapse in 48 hours? Well, four plus eight is 12 right there. Boom. <clears throat> so there's one. And people are like, oh, that's not nothing. I know. Just just go, just, just live it and you will begin to see it everywhere. Uh, how many? Let's see. How much money did they uh, did they have? Well, they had two hundred nine billion dollars. Two plus zero plus nine is eleven in assets. So there's one. Um, they have treasury yield three point nine. I don't think that's really one. Two point down here they would sell for two point two five billion. Two plus two plus five is nine. So that's one. So we got it. Well, this one's hitting pretty high. Uh, I, I give this one a C to B rating. Like the SpaceX one is an A, a solid A plus. It's like in your face, no, no debate about it. Um, the one with the Catholics just putting the Pope there on 9-11 for no reason. That's a big this one's getting a C or a B rating. I'm feeling a little bit numerology here happening. The uh the Trump indictments, they had 34, right? It wasn't 33. They did. Uh, they did. Trump indictments. Now, I now I I suspect. Um, I suspect that will get dropped down to thirty three. I just so that's still an ongoing process. I think so. I think they'll drop one. Um. I just I just feel that they probably will, because they said they said thirty four, and then it's like uh, I just feel because they'll do that a lot. The like start out with something. And then it'll drop down to um, to whatever. Let's see. Trump indictment scene. And let's just see what's going on there. Uh, April 4th. It's a real part of the day. Da, 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 da. Uh, let's see. Seven-year-old election. Seven's a number there. Not a, not a huge one. Next key dates. Um, the bulk of produce the bulk of the discovery in the next 65 days. Six plus five is 11. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, still saying 34. I, I, I would be willing to bet probably a hundred dollars with somebody that by the time this is all said and done, that will come down to 33, but they actually, um, they'll throw one out or something. I would, I would be pretty, pretty confident of that. We'll see. Not, not getting much on this one. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Oh, what about articles related to January 6th? That was a pretty big one. Oh, event. that was a big one. January 6th news. Those, that was some Lots of fake thought. and gay stuff there. That was like years ago. I don't know if I can pull up the original one. Uh, the original article. Mm, so, okay. Well, first of all, it happened on January 6th. Uh, 2021, right? So when you write that out, that is six. So six, two, zero, two, one. That's six plus two is eight plus two is 10 plus one is 11. So it's got the 11 there in the beginning of it, January 6, 2011. Oh, this is like a bunch of um, collection of articles. Uh, maybe this is the actual article. 
and then January six. So you've got you've got the eleven in there, and then the six in the in the number, right? January six. How many people were indicted? Let's see. How many people indictments? Mm. Let's see. All right, let's see. More than all right. So more than one thousand people have been arrested. Were arrested. Significant numbers still writing their sentencing. So 420 individuals, 420, that is another, that is another number. I know I didn't say that one at the beginning. 420 ind individuals. Um, you know, you hear 420 with uh marijuana that also has some some things there. So six rioters, 60 days. Hitler's birthday. Yeah. Six rioters, 60 days. That's two sixes right there. Um 18 of the most high-profile rioters, 1 plus 8 is 9. So it says 18 of the most high-profile Jan 6 rioters, so there's 9 and 6 right there. Um, Webster, 56 of Goshen, 5 and 6 is 11, was the first capital riot defender. He tried, made a claim, boo 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 So yeah, this is, uh, oh, head, 43 is 7. And six. Yeah, so this this has this this has a lot of numbers in it, and some of them pink 49 is 13, 4 plus 9. Uh, so this one's this one's not not too bad on the I'm giving this one maybe a B. Because there's a, there's I mean there's a lot of numbers here and they're adding up to nines and elevens and so forth and so on. 33s. Yeah, this one goes on and on. But yeah, I just want I, I want to help our listeners to train them to begin to look for this. But again, don't go overboard because if you go overboard, you will go insane. And it's a hard needle to thread. But if you if you open something like these the SpaceX rocket, and it's immediately like, hey, there were thirty three of this, and it went for sixty six. You're like. Really, though, you know, you go, really, um, is is that exactly what what it was? Just it happened to be it had to be sixty six point six degrees. It had to happen. Uh, I'll, I'll start saving examples because I know I've seen them like all the time on Telegram. It's yeah, always I mean, 33 and it's yeah. I've got like crisis fatigue. I can't remember what happened before the uh, the train derailment. Yeah, I know it's hard, but so I was I, like, I, at the time, I was like, I'm taking this crisis off, and I can't even remember <laughs> what the last like several crises before that were. Yeah, so we found the the SpaceX one. I give that one an A plus for numerology. The uh, Ohio train derailment, solid B, solid B. The uh, Catholic thing with the Anglicans, another A. It's not an A plus, but an A. Because that was just so blatant. Of all the pictures of the Pope, he had to be the one 9-11. Totally unrelated. They just threw it in there. Um, and the other ones, we got a, we got a couple of C's, another B. So you start to see it. Uh, and when you see it, you will. When you start to train yourself to see it, you will. <coughs> begin to see through some of these things um, a bit more easily. And maybe we should, maybe we should look into like just reading. Because I'm sure it's in a occult book somewhere while these numbers are important. I've just never 
occult books are so boring. That's the thing. The occult yeah, is actually back, very, very boring. Yeah, way back when I first like got into conspiracy stuff and you start like learning all the symbols and everything, I always just figured that it's they they basically they they think that by putting their gang signs and stuff everywhere that it gives them magic powers somehow, and I don't think it's really much more complicated than that. I think you're right, and I also think that they're not wrong. I think it does give them power. Well, they're the ones with all the power, so and they very strongly believe all of that, whether or not you do. So, yeah, they do. I mean, um, they absolutely do. Another way you can look for this (laughs) symbols, one eye symbol symbology. Look for so many movies. So many movies will have one eye of the protagonist visible and the other will be like behind a curtain, behind a hat, in shadow, uh, album covers. Uh, Beyonce has a ton of these. Um, uh, the pyramids where they hold their hand in a triangle, like the pyramid, the yep. Masonic pyramid, they do that all the time. Like all the, the devil time. horns with their fingers, devil horns with their fingers. They do that all the time. And so seeing these sorts of things and the numerology, you can begin to uh, see through a lot of it. Uh, And again, it's like the judges. Some of them don't know why they do it. Like a lot of them, they're at a photo shoot, you know, and they're like, hey, do this, do this. Okay, now cover one eye. And they're just like in the flow of like, like, pose this way, arch your back. Now look sexy. Now look bored. Now cover one eye. And they're just going with the flow. They have no idea why it's happened. So it's not like every one of these people is themselves in this club. A good example is that one, that photo from a while ago where you had, I think it was a bunch of Congress people Uh and you had, I think Dan Crenshaw standing right in the middle of the group with the one eye. And then you had on each side, one person facing away just completely randomly. Yeah. It was like that. It was like that picture from the temple of Anubis recreated or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And one guy was pointing up, and I think Dan Critch had one eye, and one hand was going up, and the other hand going down, just like in the Baphomet photo. Yeah, and there was people posted yeah. like the the original that they were recreating, and it's like the exact same thing. There would have been no reason for that group photo to be like that, just naturally. Yeah, I mean they were they were obvi- yes they were obviously recreating an old pagan um, thing, and I've discru- distrusted Dan Crenshaw since the moment I. They always, one of the ways they get conservatives is by throwing an injured veteran at them. Yeah. Because they, conservatives, people of a conservative mindset will worship wounded warriors as like the brave man that sacrificed. They did it with John McCain, who allegedly couldn't raise his arms. I don't believe him. He also had a broken foot and he wore the boot on the wrong foot a couple times. I don't Gosh, believe he foot. couldn't raise his arms. I believe he was faking. I don't even know that he was ever captured. Maybe he was. Maybe that was all an invention. Uh, he was a lot. He also died with like several million dollars of credit card debt. He was uh, uh, totally owned by the system. But uh, then they, he dies, and they throw Grant, Dan Crenshaw at you. Like now, trust this guy. Trust this guy. Don't trust that guy. That guy is a sleaze. Um, and how? He, he has. He has one, just because he has one eye, this is where, that's one of the best things Donald Trump ever did was to slay that cow of like, look, I like soldiers that didn't get captured. That is 
that it was so helpful, even though it is insensitive. But like, don't worship these people just for who, whatever claims that they make about their past. Don't give them more authority. None of that doesn't matter, right? It's it's the, the veterans are veterans are themselves a neutral group. Being a veteran doesn't mean you're worth anything more or anything less than anybody else. It's just another job. It's a job where sometimes you kill children. And so sometimes that can be not so good. It's a job where you are, you give up your free will and you become a bit of a slave. And so maybe you're even less freedom minded than an average person who didn't decide to sign away all of their life to someone else for four years to tell them exactly what to do and where to go. Maybe you're not, you know. And so you see these veterans on there like, as a veteran, no one should have an AR-15. Like, your opinion doesn't matter any more than anybody else's. Maybe it matters less, you know. Just because you went to Afghanistan and shot goat herders that weren't doing anything to you doesn't mean that you get to tell other people what to do. And conservatives have to, they have to, you have to slay all these sacred cows, slay all these idols. Just not literally, I don't mean go kill guns. I mean, kill the idolatry of them. Destroy the idolatry of these people. Stop worshiping. Destroy the worship. Just get rid of, get rid of all of that lauding of other people. So that, because that is one of the means they control you with is your emotional attachments. Anyway, that said, I hope you all learn numerology in the news. Let's talk a little bit about uh, nutrition because we had some good discussion about that. And then we'll talk about visions of hell to end on a good note. Visions of hell. Lovely. Yeah, so we started talking. We were, um, I brought up, I, I, I think that I, I was doing some reflection about, um, you know, people have gotten, one. people are so neurotic about what they eat now. There's like carnivore, intermittent fasting, keto, gluten-free, organic, plant-based, vegetarian. And I think, and everyone's trying to be like, this is the best, this is the best. And my point was, I think at different times of life, different seasons, different times of year, different activity levels, different, but there's all kinds of different diets that are the, I don't think any one diet is ever the same or the, could be the best. And I think you agreed with me about that. And you have some experience with that. No, is that true? Yeah, so I, I I would say basically everybody is different, right? Everybody's got different genetics. They've got different history of their ancestors eating different foods, uh, different activity levels, different, like, everything. So one diet may work incredibly well for someone, but another one, it, like another person, they might do that and feel terrible. So you almost have to kind of just figure out what's best for you. but like. The nutrition topic is you can chase endless rabbit holes in a million different directions and over obsess about a billion different things. So I'll try to try to keep this just like as simple as possible. But you've got like for sure there's like certain foods that are gonna be unhealthy for everyone, no matter what. Like if you're eating refined carbohydrates, sugar, processed seed oils, trans fats, like that's not good for anyone. And certain people might be able to tolerate that better. Like I'm sure everybody knows that one guy who just eats crap all the time and they're still super skinny or whatever, but they're, 
their metabolism will change and they'll catch up to them eventually. But yeah, basically depending on, I guess, again, your aunt, what your ancestors ate, like myself personally, I do really good if I eat lots of like high protein, high fat kind of thing, lower carbohydrates. If I eat a ton of carbohydrates and I'll get sleepy, I don't feel full, I don't feel good. But like my wife, on the other hand, is Chinese and her ancestors have thousands of years of eating like tons of rice. So she See, tries to eat. The, the Chinese what? have already infiltrated this podcast. Yeah. You see? You see what you did, listeners? This is their fault. And it's okay. You know, we're, once President Z takes over this podcast, I don't even know if you people will notice. But uh, we, we, you know, one China. Continue. Yeah, so like if she eats what I eat, high protein, high fat, she feels terrible. So... And, I, and if I eat what she eats, she, I feel terrible. So you, what your ancestors ate is a huge part of it. Um, but you've got, like, different uh, genetic traits. You've got, uh, like, epigenetics where certain, like, genes can get turned on and off depending on what you eat. And, like, one thing you'll see, too, pretty common, like, a vegan diet is ultimately not going to be healthy. There are certain amino acids that you can only get from meat. And if you're going to be 100% vegan, you're going to have to supplement and stuff to get that. It's, it's not healthy. But you'll see cases where you've got somebody who's like 600 pounds and they've been eating garbage their entire life. And then all of a sudden they switch to a vegan diet and they start losing a ton of weight and they feel amazing. And now their veganism is the greatest thing ever. But really, it's just you started, stopped eating all the garbage and started eating things that are a lot more healthier. Right. So it's right. not necessarily that one diet is magic. And it's yes. the same thing. You see people with like um, the carnivore diet where maybe they have like a ton of inflammation or something caused by certain foods. And then you basically switch to a super restrictive diet where you're only eating meat, which is a very limited amount of choices. And now you've cut out all of these foods that were causing the inflammation or whatever. And suddenly you feel amazing. And now the carnivore diet is the greatest thing ever. Yes. Yeah. The, the, um, one of the, one of the ways you can blast through the control mechanism of, uh, science is to go even more liberal and progressive than anyone else. Because one of the, one of the ways is, is that they'll challenge any sort of idea of a standard by saying everyone is an individual, therefore you can't. And there's truth in that. And I think there's especially truth in that in like, Nutrition, I think that um, I think that people's biochemistry is wildly different from person to person sometimes. Yep. And uh, that really all nutritional science is sort of bunk because it, it operates on this idea that there is one standard diet that's like best for most people. And that's probably not true. And so one of the levers they're going to use to control you, as you see people trying to do right now in like New York, where they're trying to track how much beef consumption happens because they think it gives greenhouse gases and like, oh, and also plant-based diets are better for you, carte blanche, like just as a rule. No. One of the ways you can blast through that, be like, no, that's not true. That doesn't apply to every individual. That doesn't apply to me. And you can, you can, 
so there's two ta- there's one for in general for politics there's two tactics there's resisting and then there's going to the extreme there's the yes and and so you can be like yes uh you know people shouldn't be judged and you say and that's why you you can't uh there is no such thing as a black person because everyone you know you can go that route um but like a lot of this stuff with the nutrition um that has been ramped up really hard in the past i'd say five years with people like oh dairy's bad the bread's bad like and one of the and all of those are like yes but also no exactly like if you just deny it if you just deny it you're almost always going to lose because it's not just wrong it's like it's it's right sometimes yeah it's just not always right and um that isn't that is in general a a good strategy is to just carte blanche deny something as because that's making a counterclaim that you also have to back up and a lot of times you can't because a lot of times it's not true universally but you what you can do this is like i i've said the other day, one of the reasons conservatives lose is because they're always saying what they're against but instead a much stronger position is to be like what you're for and so framing things in a positive way and being like look uh, no, that is good sometimes, but this is also good. It's a lot stronger way to resist the diet psyops than just being like, no, it's always this other thing. Because that's also probably not true. Yeah, a big thing in the, the nutrition area is looking at like ancestral diets from different yes. places around the world. And you'll see groups of people in places all over the world who are incredibly healthy eating wildly different things for thousands of years. So. Yeah, if carbs are bad for you, explain Italians. Northern Italians, not Southern Italians. Northern Italians are some of the most attractive people, healthiest people in the world. They eat tons of carbs. Now, in America, different population. Maybe carbs aren't the best for you, right? So I think part of that, though, is like it it depends on the carbs, right? If you're eating really high fiber, that's going to slowly digest your blood sugar is going to spike a lot slower. That kind of thing. If you're eating like refined white flour all the time, that's not going to be great for your blood sugar and insulin. And insulin is probably one of the biggest drivers of why people are so fat right now. I would say probably Mm -hmm. it's insulin and cortisol. Mm -hmm. And when you're eating the standard American diet, it's you're constantly spiking your your glucose levels in your blood, which then causes your body to create insulin to balance that out. And insulin is a fat storing hormone. So when you're following like the standard American diet, you're creating way too much insulin and gaining way too much fat. And I would also say on the other hand too, cortisol is probably, I would guess like the the number two, that's the stress hormone. And everybody's under such like, lower levels of chronic stress all the time from work and life and when your body is under stress it thinks that it's got to store resources in fat because it might need them later kind of thing like Mm -hmm. your body's not designed for constant levels of low level stress you're more designed to go really hard for like a little bit and then rest and like that kind of exercise is really good for you yeah like a wild animal yeah, well, like you're hunting, and all of a sudden you're getting chased by a tiger, right? And yeah. then they have they have periods of really intense stress that are very short. So for your Italians thing, I would say like, what kind of 
materials are they making the pasta out of like 600 years ago is probably very different than the pasta you get at the grocery store today. And another thing too that you also see is you see these cultures with traditional diets and they're, they might not make sense, but then they adopt the standard American diet. And for a generation or two, they're mostly okay. But after like the third or fourth generation of eating like this garbage food, now you start seeing the obesity and these things because it basically turns on certain genes that are not good for you based on like your health decisions. Yeah, that uh, that tr- it's like generational fatness. It, yeah, it, that is like it turns on. It's like epigenetics. It will turn on different yep. things so that actually the next generation is where. You, that's why, like in the fifties, people make this argument all the time. They drank soda and had cookies and starch and stuff in the 50s and 70s, and they weren't fat. Like, yeah. But then that turned on genes in their reproduction that their kids were more prone to get fat, and then their kids are more prone. And so it's like this compounding thing. And like you said, if you have stress stress and a lot of cortisol, your body will convert a lot more things to fat than it otherwise would. Yeah. So there's like tons of like, and this is what I was saying with the different, a billion different rabbit holes you can go down and everybody's hormones are different and everybody's situation is different. And so really like you got to look at the person and yes, there's a bunch of general sort of things that are true, but how are you going to apply them in this specific situation is kind Mm -hmm. of more what you got to go to. And another, another fun thing in the world of nutrition is how much bad science there is. Oh, it's the king of bad science. Yeah. Yeah. So one of my favorite examples when I'm like talking about science with people is, are you familiar with Ansel Keys and his study proving that saturated fat causes heart disease? Yes. Yeah. So Ansel Keys was like a scientist in, I think, the 50s. And he had this hypothesis that saturated fat causes heart disease. So he studied all of these different cultures around the world and the data didn't exactly support his hypothesis. So he did what every good scientist does and he cherry picked bits and pieces of his data to make it say that his hypothesis was correct. Then he goes and he publishes that. And of course the big agriculture industry jumps on all on that and promotes it. And they're like, Oh yeah, you got to eat grain now because that's going to be good for your heart and all this stuff. And then just since then, everybody's been like, yeah, saturated fat causes heart disease. It's bad. Stop eating it. Even though like your grandparents had no problem eating butter and all this stuff and saturated fat itself is, is really important for producing things like testosterone and serotonin and other hormones and fat soluble vitamins that your body can't properly absorb if you don't have fat. So now you've got all these people not eating this and back to the, uh, the bad science, like fun. So you have, and this is the same in probably like every field of science. So you have this fact that saturated fat causes heart disease, but now over here, we found a population that consumes tons of saturated fat, like the French, but they don't have higher levels of heart disease. So instead of just going back to the original assertion being like, maybe that's wrong. It's like, no, it's got to be something else. It's There's chemicals in the wine that they drink because they drink so much wine and that cancels it out and it's good for your heart. And you come up with all this like crazy different 
reasons where you go to like South Asia and they're like, oh, they eat tons of coconut oil here, but they don't have high levels of heart disease. So it must be the weather or something. It's, it's turtles all the way mess. down. It's turtles yeah. all the way down the line. It's, tur- it's just it's because it's it's one assumption and then you make up another assumption to justify why your previous prediction didn't work. And then another assumption because it's not even that they're trying to be malicious. It's that science has as its base assumption that there are universal principles that it can find. And while that may be maybe true. On issues like genetics, things are so complicated that it is just, it is, there's not even a thousand variables. There's not even, it's like a billion variables to control for. And when you're trying to isolate, like this causes this, like, not really, like it's all these other factors. And so that's like, everyone has physics envy because physicists can like do things and like predict and like they make a prediction and the thing like happens to like, but, but physics is also sort of a very simple science and that it can control for its variables. And you, in like biology, you can't control for your variables. Really? You just, you can't do it. And so it's, it's uh, you, you having that sort of trying to make those same levels of predictions about how that stuff works very often that's why medicine is so bad uh because like they can do things like surgery it's great we try to do like biochemical stuff it's like it works for some people other people it makes them have it's these people it, it relieves their depression these people it makes commit suicide it's like oh well that's not very because it's just it, it, there's so many variables to account for that change all the time People's body chemistry is changing from morning to night with sunshine, without sunshine, what they ate, what they didn't eat, whether someone screamed at them. I mean, there's so many variables. It's next to an impossible task. But well, it's, uh, it's not completely impossible. It's not completely. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll give just like some general practical advice if you're like new to this field and you're like, well, OK, what the heck do I even do then if it's so complicated? It's actually pretty simple. I would say just just eat real food like eat yeah, meats, that's helpful. vegetables. If if it's food that like your your grandparents would look at and they would be like oh yeah that's food then that's fine but if it's like something in a package and you would give that to like your grandparents and they would look at it and be like what the heck is this maybe maybe don't eat that so just eat real food cook it yourself avoid processed stuff as much as possible but also like don't stress out either because stress isn't good for your health either so if you want to eat a croissant sometime just that's fine. Just maybe don't eat like five croissants every morning for breakfast. That's right. That's right. And don't and don't listen to people telling you not to eat a thing because it'll hurt the environment or whatever. And or, watch out too for yeah. the sea of grifters in the nutrition field if you go on the internet and start researching this because everybody's got supplements to sell you and everyone's got a diet plan to sell you. And I think in general, most supplements don't do anything. Um. Yeah, probably not. And and so, okay, so supplements is another whole thing that's, again, super tailored to the individual because yeah. depending on what your biochemistry is at any time, you can start taking something simple like calcium and it can throw a bunch of other minerals out of whack. Mm-hmm. So you, if you are going to like embark on taking all kinds of supplements, you almost have to do like all these blood tests first and see what your baseline is and then kind of go from there with what you need. But if you just start like 
taking supplements blind, you could all you could cause all kinds of imbalances and weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. That's true. It's a very complex topic, and uh, yeah, don't yeah, just just eat real food. Go outside, get some exercise, lift weights. Don't stress out too much. Yes. Yes, because if you do stress out too much, you might end up like some of the people we're going to talk about. In from a little book I like to call, well, I like to call it is its name, Near Death Experiences in Hell by John Gar- Gar- Graydon, which came out in t- 2019. So, um, how much do you know about Indies? A little bit. I have okay. heard a couple of random stories where they they didn't see the light and they started getting pulled down by demons and freaked out and stuff. So, yeah, those those stories are actually common, but people a don't like to hear them because they're not pleasant, and b people don't like to share them because like if you don't want to be the guy that's like, yeah, I had a near death experience and I went to hell. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. like, oh, you're not a good person. Like people love to share the story. We're like. Oh, I went to heaven and I saw the, my grandmother and she said, I have to go back because it's not my time. And I felt love and warmth. And like, that's a great story. Everyone loves to tell that one. Being like, I went to hell and got burned by fire is not. People don't like to talk about that one as much. Right. No. So. Um, but those stories exist. And I will preface this by saying uh, that John Gray, he, had a, he has a great, great collection of testimony from people with NDEs and experiences of hell and dark places. Uh, it This book is a little bit of, um, what would you call it? He's very, he's very forward on pushing the, the Christian angle of like, and this, and he did this because he wasn't saved and so forth. And stuff that I don't really know the text supports. And also a little bit like, a little bit, a little bit like Christian militantism, which isn't, it's just, it's not bad. It's just like, I don't want to seem like that's the only kind of Indies that people have where they go to hell. Like there's, there's Indies that don't have any reference that Jesus doesn't appear in at all. He liked, he liked to choose the ones that had Jesus in them and that's fine. And so, but in a couple of these, Jesus does come, come across as like a strange sort of superhero, which is a bit weird. But again, he didn't tell, he didn't come up with these stories. Uh, he's just retelling them. He just, that was his penchant for which ones he liked to choose. So it's a little bit, a little bit of that. It's a little camp is what I'm saying. It's a little campy in places. Nonetheless, there are some good insights in it. Now, the, the first, you know what the first NDE near-death experience we have in literature is from all time? No, I'm not super knowledgeable on the topic. Okay, the first one that we have is uh, recorded in Plato's Republic around 380 uh, BC. Uh, And in it, uh, in in the Republic, um, they're speaking, and Socrates relates uh, the myth of Ur, which is a story that went around uh, uh, Greece at the time about a soldier named Ur who was killed in battle. Or people thought he was killed in battle and he was put with all the corpses and he was about to be burned on the funeral pyre when he woke up and he told people about his experience. He said, don't burn me. I'm, I'm not dead. Uh, and he 
told people about his experience in the afterlife. It's a very interesting telling. And uh, Plato goes through basically the whole thing in the Republic. Um, he, Er, his name is Er, E-R, uh, sort of dies. He leaves his body. But he's told when he gets there, he said, you are going to go back to your body. You are here to give a report to the living. And you're going to watch what happens. But you yourself are not going to partake in this, per se. And so he's led to a big field, the fields of Elysium. And there are two doors, four doors, four portals, two going down into the earth and two going up. And the two going down, there is one. People are going down one side and people are coming up from the earth on the other side. And on the two going up, people are going up the stairs into the skies on one side and coming down the stairs back to the fields of Elysium on the other side. So there's this constant stream going up and down both ways. And he's told, like, the souls here are judged. They're judged. And there's this there's this goddess figure, like one of the, I forget which one she is, but she sort of judges the souls based on their deeds. And she says, okay, you get rewarded for your for your virtues, and you go up the stairs until, until we call you back to be reincarnated in your next life, which is why people are coming back down. Go up, and you will have bliss for a while. These other people, you go down to be tortured until we call you back up for your next life. And some people, he says, go down, and they are they are they were so wicked that they don't get to come back up. They're just tortured forever. And so the people are constantly trying to come back up the stairs from the bottom, and most of them can, but a few of them are stopped by demons and pulled back down just be tortured more because they they were horrible people who did not get to come back. And so he's watching all this happen, and uh, all of the all of the souls that come back they come in, they come and go in groups. And so this big throng of people come people coming from heaven and people coming up from hell, and they meet uh, to all be reincarnated again. And the uh, fates throw out lots. So they basically throw into the air over the crowd sticks with numbers on them. And you pick up the stick nearest you. And that is your turn to pick your life. And so they pick up a stick and then they throw another bunch of lots all over the field. And all of these, all of these like lots have written on them, various basics of a life. Like you can choose, uh, Oh, you're going to be a King or a princess or a pauper. Or even you can be an animal, you can be an eagle over here, you can be, and then it gives a vague outline of what that life will be like. You'll be born about this time, this material conditions, you'll die this way, yada, yada, yada. And so everyone goes through and they pick their lives and he sees, he actually sees Odysseus in the crowd coming to pick his life. And Odysseus is the last person to, uh, he gets the last lot and he's the last person that's able to choose. And he spends a good deal of time looking. He just, he just chooses a simple, he finds a life of a man that lives in, in simplicity in the countryside. And he chooses that one. And he says, this would be the life I would have chosen if I even got the first pick. Because I learned from my past one that seeking fame and adventure and all that is not all it's cracked up to be. And I just want a simple life this go around. Uh, and so there's this very interesting thing. And then there, after they pick their lives, they're led to the river Leith, I think it's how you pronounce L-E-T-H-E, where they all drink from it. It's the river of forgetfulness. They forget all of their pro- former life, all of their time in the afterlife, 
and then their bodies are their souls are cast back into their um new bodies and there's this interesting segue where they see the spindle of necessity which is like this rainbow that goes from earth up to heaven and all of the and all the the fates are weaving reality from the spindle of a rainbow and what's turning on it is the eight planets um which is which is why it's probably lindy uh and and trad that we're getting rid of pluto because you know pluto only was discovered in like the 1930s and uh it's not visible to the naked eye and so that sort of makes it not um a valid planet in a sort of cosmological sense astrological sense and there are eight planets and there are also it you know this is a, this is an aside that's sort of uh where the this is i think where the orthodox the eastern orthodox get their concept of the aerial toll houses are you familiar with that the what yeah this is something the eastern orthodox don't like to talk about because it's weird and they're weirdos no no offense guys um <laughs> but this is a thing that eastern christianity has which is totally different from western christianity both catholicism and protestantism is that in the in the Eastern Orthodox mind, there are when you die, you go through a series of toll houses, which are like they're called aerial toll houses. Okay. And, and they are your soul tries to go from earth up to heaven. And it sounds very similar and very influenced by this sort of idea of like the spindle of necessity in the eight orbits. And there are demons which guard various levels of your ascent through into heaven. Almost like, and I think, and there's some medieval art that depicts this being one and the same, like each planet is another level that you have to pass through to progress to the next level until you've progressed through all eight of them and you can then go beyond to where God is, right? And yeah, so that's like, kind of like an ancient cosmology concept. Correct. And so like Venus would be like, you have to pass the test of lust. Mars, you have to pass the test of wrath. Uh, Saturn, you have to pass the test of gluttony and so forth, because you know Saturn eats his children and all that. Um, and so, like this sort of like, and so the Eastern Orthodox Church has this sort of idea that you go up and all of the major vices you are tempt you and try to drag you back down to earth and to hell. And you, if you have sufficient faith and love of God, they don't matter, and you pass by them. Which is one of the reasons that they put so much emphasis on praying for the dead, because it's believed that your prayers can help them overcome those aerial toll houses and and ascend. And I think that, um, you know, like the Rainbow Bridge of of Viking mythology, the Rainbow Spindle of Necessity of the Greeks, uh, the Rainbow Serpent of the Native Americans. It's all it's it's without being too syncretic. It really is. There really is only one religion in the world and people just get confused about it uh i think christianity is the most perfect revelation of it but all the rest of them all the elements are there like this idea that only christianity has hell is totally not true all of them do greek paganism did norse paganism did uh that's what that's where the term hell comes from hell is a is a goddess of the underworld in norse paganism hell uh, yep. Hades is the Greek version of That's that. That's where a bunch of the imagery comes from, too. Exactly. Like, like this this idea that like only that's Buddhism has it's they all they all have the rainbow that is like this bridge to God, like the, the covenant with Noah, it's 
Spindle Necessity, The Rainbow Bridge, The Rainbow Serpent. Um, and so I, there really is, and it's like, this like toll houses or like these spheres of influences, the, the dancing of the spheres that are somehow related to demons or to angels like Jupiter, Mars, however you want to view them or to gods. There's really only one religion and people just get confused about the specifics, I think. Um, and I think Christianity is the correct, most correct version of that religion, but all of the they all have their same roots. If you if you look at them, they all have very similar uh, roots on them, and they and they go to the same thing. So that's in the myth of Ur as well. They talk about this, but it's very interesting. All that, but uh, anyway, that's the first NDE near death experience. Um, the set the the second one maybe the second one could be some have theorized. Uh, the story of uh, the Apostle Paul in the Bible, where he talks about, he says, I know a man that was called up to the third heaven. And a lot of people suspect he's speaking about himself there in, in sort of a, a humble way. He says, I, who, who saw things he was not permitted to speak. And people think perhaps this was a, a near-death experience that he had after his, his being stoned and thrown in the garbage pile. His body was thrown because they thought he was dead. Uh, in Acts. And so in the Acts of the Apostles, he, there's a scene where he is stoned by the people and he, they think he's dead and they drag him out and throw him in the garbage heap, his body. Then he comes to again and some people believe, and there's some evidence for this in the text, not not slam dunk evidence, but it's like, eh, maybe, that what he's describing when he talks about this vision of the third heaven is a near-death experience he went through while he was, after he'd been stoned to death, which stoning was really bad, by the way. Very horrible. A lot of people, what they would do is they would dig a pit and they had like a stoning pit. They'd throw you in the pit and then people around the, it was like, you know, like a 12 foot pit you couldn't get out of. And people all around the pit would just pick up big rocks and throw them down at you till you died. Very unpleasant way to go, uh, personally. Uh, it wasn't just little rocks. I mean, it would be little rocks too, but like big stuff, like boom, ah, and your skull would crush a bit. And it's awful. So uh, very possible that he had a near-death experience uh, being stoned. Um, some people have even theorized that the origins of baptism come from trying to induce a near-death experience, like you would hold someone underwater forcefully, you know, and you would cover their mouth and nose so they wouldn't inhale the water until they sort of passed out, and you would bring them back up, and that simulated death. And I think that's a bit of a stretch, but it's there. Um, so anyway, uh, near-death experiences have a long history, is the point of all that. And I don't think the evidence points to you can just say that it's all a hallucination of the brain. Because, one, a lot of them happen in pe people where we know that they had no brain activity happening at the time. They're hooked up to machines that are reading their life signs and their heartbeats and their brain and, like, there should be nothing going on. And yet when they are resuscitated, they can tell you this really intricate story of what, of what happened while they were out. And two, occasionally, although more rarely, you'll get corroborating evidence. Like people will say like, oh yeah, like I was floating around the hospital. Did you know there's a pair of sandals on the roof? Strange. And they'll go up there and look and there is a pair of sandals on the roof. That's something they could not have possibly known unless they were traveling outside their body. 
And so this fellow has, uh, he has put together a list of people who had near death experiences, which didn't go very well. And they're all confirmed people that we know at least, they at least almost died. We don't know all of the, we can't prove what they say happened to them while they were almost dead. But these are at least people that went through very traumatic experiences. So the first one he calls, he, he names the chapters sort of uh, themselves. It's the story of Mickey Robinson, which he titled A Daredevil Meets the Devil. So Mickey Robinson was a, a fella who enjoyed skydiving. It was his main passion in life. He did it all the time. Uh, he said he never felt more alive than when he was skydiving. And on this particular day, he was waiting in the plane to go, and he, he was asleep. Just waiting for them to go up in the air and ascend. He says he wakes up when people start screaming because the plane has, the engines are silent. The engines have died. They're going down fast. He doesn't really have time to even know what's happening. And they are in, and they're in a tree. They've struck a giant oak tree. They have gone through some more and they've ended up lodged in the branches of another one. And Mickey finds himself. Other people bail out of the plane. Uh, they live. Mickey finds himself soaked in jet fuel and on fire. Which is one of the worst. I would say that's one of the least appealing places one can be in life. Soaked on jet fuel on fire in a tree. I don't know if you agree. But yeah, that would suck. I find that to be a very not appealing scenario. To be soaked in jet fuel on fire in a tree. Uh, his his parachuting uh, buddy pulls him to safety, uh, which was which was in itself one of those like miraculous feats of strength that happen in a in a emergency because he rips him out of the his chute is like tangled up he can't he rips the chute apart. Now that's these those straps on like those backpacks are not are not easily ripped apart. And he dislocates his fingers and thumbs doing it. Like he's pulling so hard. He rips the straps off of Mickey's shoulders, tears them apart, and pulls him out of the thing. And they tumble out of the tree, breaking stuff on the way down while Mickey's on fire. And he rolls Mickey around and puts him out. Uh, Mickey is burned all over his body. He's blind in his right eye. He's got bones broken. He has a brain injury. And they rush him to the hospital. And he sort of has a half consciousness of the hospital going to it. And then he blacks out for a while. And then he says, uh, I was, I felt tremendous pain, searing pain over my whole body. It was just so intense. It was the only thing keeping me conscious. And then he said, then all of a sudden I felt all the pain stop very quickly. Like just, and I felt, I said, I had this sensation of my legs moving through the springs of the bed. And I, I felt my spirit come out of my body as if I was like, you were taking a glove off your hand. And I felt myself sort of going up and I'm going up. And I, he said it was hyper consciousness. He said the col colors became brighter. Edges were sharper. Emotions more enhanced. Um, and he's, this is an interesting sentence. <laughs> he says, I sense there was a complete absence of time awareness because here everything was relative to eternity 
instead of relative to time. I was amazed that I was conscious of eternity all the time in one instant. Instance. Which is, I don't know what that means, but it's an interesting sentence. Time is relative to eternity. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting because that, because I've tried to figure out like what happens after you die, right? And it's mm-hmm. complicated because when you're trying to figure out the timing of stuff, like time is part of our universe, and that might not necessarily exist in the same way or at all on the other side. Yeah, and so like the time really throws a wrench into it. Like maybe time may be tied to physicality, and in fact, I think you can make a good argument that it is, because there is yeah, no it's way part to of measure our physical time. universe. There, yeah, there is no way to measure time without a physical device. And so if you can't measure it without physicality, it doesn't exist without physicality. Maybe not. <laughs> and so that, that, that in itself may solve a lot of problems people have about wondering about the afterlife. Like, how can God do all these things at the same time? And how can, like, well, time doesn't, it doesn't even make sense there. You know, and, and that's a confusing thought. But So anyway, um, he says, I felt, he felt himself traveling without any control. He's just moving. He doesn't know what's happening. He says, I see a light, white, quote, whiter than the brightest snow, brighter than 10,000 suns. And it was drawing it to me like a tractor beam. And as I'm draw- drawing closer, he says, I saw a, a black, sweeping blackness on my right side. And I knew instantly it was the nature, it, it was complete blackness, eternal, without life, completely void. He described it as a non-negotiable detachment from the source of eternity. This is a pretty intense. And that may be what all that judgment is. That may be what the judgment of the soul is. It may be that simple. You're going towards the light, but the light rejects you. Maybe that simple. And he says he's going towards the light, but somehow he feels like the blackness is getting is, is going to sweep over him before he reaches it. And he feels this sort of like intense panic because just perceiving it, he can feel like if he goes into that, there is nothing beyond it. And he says it was so horrific to this day. He cannot be around someone who says like, I go to hell, like in a a sort of joking way. He says, I always say you wouldn't want the worst person, Adolf Hitler, bin Laden, anybody to go there. You wouldn't want any human being ever to go there. He says, as the blackness swept in, it began to eclipse all the light like someone was sliding a door shut. And just before all the last little bit of light could be seen, he screamed out, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I want to live. Give me another chance. And then he said, I felt like I was near God and I felt mercy. And he described God as, um, he said it was like a tuning fork which is a thing we've brought up on the podcast before. <clears throat> like this idea of like resonating with the good versus resonating with the bad. He said he felt like God was resonating this goodness that all around it, all around him picked up on the frequency and started resonating it also. And he said, God spoke to me, not in the language, but in quote, the word of his purpose. I don't know what that means. But that's another intriguing sentence from Mickey. He doesn't speak in a language, but in the word of his purpose. And he he gets the sense that God tells him he will give him another chance. And he has to go back and do right and tell people what he has seen. And then he said he returned to his physical body as if he were, quote, being reeled in like a kite. 
Like his spirit was just reeled back down. And then he woke up and began to tell everyone about what he had seen. And I like that one because you can look up pictures of Mickey uh, on the internet and see his, his, his misshapen face. He doesn't look nearly as bad as you would uh, assume. He, like, he's healed pretty well. Um, but you can definitely tell he went through some horrible accident. Uh, but most people that are like on fire, on fire, look way worse than him. And so that is, uh, <clears throat> maybe that was part of the mercy is that he looks a little not um, completely destroyed. Uh, a second one is the story of Howard Storm, which uh, the author of this book entitled The Professor Learns a Lesson. So Howard Storm in 1985 was a university, uh, University of Northern Kentucky. Uh, he was the art professor there. He was a, he was a man who, in his own words, um, operated with a lot of he said, I had a dark side and I like to manipulate people with veiled threats and passive aggression to get what I wanted. He said, I would do that with my students, with my faculty, with my wife. He said, I just wasn't a very good, I was a very, I was not like a sadistic person, but a little bit. I didn't really care about anybody else. And uh, he took his, his students on a, on a three-week week tour of the art of Europe. They would go to like Sistine Chapel and the, and the whatever and the Louvre and they're at the Louvre in Paris and when they returned to their hotel after a day in Paris Howard felt a sharp pain in his stomach so strong he dropped to the ground and was just rolling around in agony something he'd eaten in the famously disgusting French food and if you've ever been to Paris it is not all oh, the tourism board of Paris does a lot of the heavy lifting for the reputation of that place. Because the actual place. I could totally see this happening. Something he's eaten in Paris. Has been some sort of foreign object. That has perforated his intestines. He has ingested something. That like. Pierces. Through the food he's eaten. That has pierced his intestines. Is causing internal bleeding. And it's not a good thing. They call down. His wife gets him an ambulance. They go to the. The ambulance comes, picks him up, takes him to the hospital. But the hospital says, listen, uh, there's no surgeon on duty right now. And one won't be, won't be here for a while. And he lays on the gurney for 12 hours. Because again, France. Finally, a nurse comes to check on him. And she says, look, I'm sorry, but their surgeon won't be available for another 10 hours. He just, he's out. He's eating a baguette. He can't come in right now. We don't have on call in Paris because we like to riot if they ask us to work an extra 30 minutes, you know, and How Howard's like, Ugh. he gives up hope at that moment. He, he'd been hanging on because he thought he could maybe get a doctor, but this, he doesn't feel like he can hang on for 10 more hours. He, he holds his wife's hand. He says, I love you. And then he closed my eyes and I know I'm just going to die. Very lazy people, the Gauls the French, they, they deserve pretty much all of their stereotypes about them. They are smelly. They don't bathe and they are lazy. Now that doesn't mean they're bad. Their way of life may be just fine, but all those stereotypes are true. And, uh, so he dies and he, well, he sort of semi dies. Um, 
And he says, at some point, I was standing beside my wife. There was a sheet over the, bo- the, he- the body in the bed, and my wife was crying next to it. And I got mad. And I, I started talking to my wife, and she couldn't hear me. And I thought she was ignoring me, and I was angry. And I started saying, how did that body get in there? He looks like me. And I'm yelling. And I, he says, I had the suspicion while it was happening that the body in the bed was me. But that was too distressing to think about. So I shoved that possibility out of my mind because it terrified me. And I didn't know what it meant. The longer I'm sitting there screaming and not being heard and looking at this body that looks like me, I felt this growing sense of dread. And after a few minutes, I heard the words say, Howard, come with us now. Come out here. And he said, like, a chill went down my back, just like, the, the, I just heard this like voice and I, and it, it kept saying, it said, Howard, come with us now, come out here. And I walked out of the room following the voice and in the hallway were a bunch of people, this like crowd of people in gray, they were pale people dressed in gray hospital clothes. I don't know what he means, but I don't know if like gray scrubs or something similar, but gray hospital clothes. Since I tried explaining what happened, I was like, where's the surgeon? Can they operate on me? Am I going to die? The people reassured him. They said, we understand what you're going through. Just come with us. And he starts following them. And the gray, the gray clothes people, this is one of the creepier indies I've ever heard, by the way. Imagine sitting in a hospital room and being like, come with us now. Come with us now. That's Anyway, so they're walking down the hospital hallway and he says, as we go, things get darker and darker, darker, and we're going more down this hallway. And I start to get upset and say, where are we going? And they keep scolding me and get, for asking questions. And the darker it gets, the more angry they get and the more hostile they grew. And they finally said, I'm not going with you any further. And they turned and attacked me. They started beating me, torturing me. They were, they were biting me. They were, they, I felt them tear my body to pieces. Um, and he said they did things to me that I can't repeat what, the, what happened. It was they, they were trying to purposefully destroy and psychically destroy and humiliate me. And he said, while I'm in this zone, I hear a voice in my head saying, pray. And I thought, I don't know how to pray and I don't believe in any God. And they keep tearing me apart. And finally, this pain is so much. He says, I didn't know. I just the words I started, I, I some mixture of prayers from my childhood and the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, I pledge allegiance to the, and God, our Father, and all this just comes out. And he says, after I kept doing that for a while, a, a speck of light appeared in the darkness, and then it began to grow and grow and grow until the, the people in the gray ran away from it. And in the light was Jesus. I told it's a little, it's a little campy. It's a little like, it's a, it's a little, uh, it's a little like the, 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 the tabloids that used to be in the convenience store shelves on, in the, in the early two thousands talking about, um, pamphlets of people's encounters with angels and how my angel was actually a dog. It's a little bit like that, but Hey, you know, it's fine. Jesus is there and he picks him up. He rushes into heaven and he tells him, we are going to, we don't make mistakes here. I did rescue you. And, and I knew that there was good in you still. 
and he reviews his, he takes him to heaven and in heaven, he reviews his entire life up to that point. And he says, I'm watching. And with me is this crowd of angels watching. And every time I do something wrong or manipulative or bad, all the angels like wince and look away. But every time I do something loving, they applaud. And then Jesus says to me, you have to go back and try to make the angels clap more or something to that effect. And he does. And he totally turned his life around and stopped being manipulative. And isn't that good? And I like that one because that was one of the creepier up until the up until the sort of comic book appearance of Jesus. One of the creepier NDEs I've I've ever heard. I just ugh, the I have a thing for like voices of people in hallways. Never liked it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The voice of a, a like a voice you can't a disembodied voice in a hallway. I've never it's never been a thing I really um it's never been a thing. Uh, like uh, Joshua Cutchins, he was a, he's a paranormal researcher I really enjoy. He's a smart fella. And he talks about hearing a, a similar thing in the um, Waverly Sanatorium in, in West Virginia. I think it's in West Virginia or North Carolina. But they, they do. Is it's that, is that one, one of the really weird buildings that they built this giant castle for like that's an hour outside of a city that only has like a thousand people? Yes, it was. It was. It was like a castle, like a th- like an hour outside of any city. It was built to house people that had that were dying of tuberculosis, uh, and a lot of people died. And it's a very creepy house place. But yeah, that's a whole show in itself of why they build all those things. But anyway, uh, now it is allegedly one of the most haunted places in America. And Joshua Cutchin was there at night on a, like a ghost tour. And he said, that was the time when I really, that was what started me on my paranormal occupation and like writing about it for a living because I was walking down this lonely hallway and I felt like I had heard something like sort of calling and I was just not an audible voice, just sort of like walking. And I go to this end of the hallway and there's this door and the door right before I get to it slams open, like, boom, like as though someone on the other side had kicked it open, but there was no one there. And he's like, that was a moment of toothpaste. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's like that. I was like, okay, there's something to this. I don't know what that was. But that was real. And so I, I have always felt that long, empty corridors are, are bad places. But anyway, uh, last one we'll go through is uh, the story of Brian Melvin. Uh, and he titled this one, Atheist Gets a Tour of Hell. I like this one because this one is very... Dante's Inferno filled with ironic punishments in hell, which which is that is a very trad thing too. Every pretty much every religion talks about you getting tortured in the afterlife of hell with some version of the sins you were most guilty of. Uh, Dante famously had all that in his um, Inferno, like people that were unless they were tied to the person they were most lustful to and could never get away. And so like they drove each other crazy for eternity. And so for like, you get more of that. Um, I think there may be something to that. Like if this whole idea of like, however you judge, you are judged, you know, there's probably something to that. But anyway, Brian uh, lived in Arizona in Tucson. He was a construction worker. He enjoyed just drinking and working. And he was like a construction worker. He ate something. He drank something at the construction site. He drank some water, which had somehow had runoff 
from a porta potty in it, and he wasn't aware. Blah. He got he got cholera, uh, extreme dehydration, diarrhea, and it died within seventy two hours. Died, quote unquote. Uh, he says he was um, he, he was in a he traveled through the ceiling into a pitch black void, and. While he was traveling, he said, this is an interesting bit. He said something, not him, in his mind, spoke to him and, and answered all the questions of life as he was traveling. He doesn't remember their answers now that he's come back. But on the way, he remembers every question you could have about why life was the way it was. Something answered all of those questions to you before your final judgment. And he said, I felt in that moment a peace because I felt like everything that would happen, good or bad to him, was just and was was what he deserved. And he gets to this big thing that looks like this giant mountain with a throne on top of it and a powerful white light coming from it. And and God is there and he judges him and he says, "I can't let you into heaven because you still have sin in you and you would bring sin into heaven. But you will this is not the end for you. You will go back to your body. However, I will let you see what happens to those who do not gain entry. And so he, he, he is, he is thrust into a tunnel, like a spinning vortex. And he sees row after row after row forever of cages. And people are in these cages being tortured by all these, by these demons that have these various versions of whatever they did in life. Um, there and the, the 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 demons are oddly reptilian. There's the reptilian reference again, where they're sort of like lizard people. Um, so there are hundreds and hundreds of these of these cells, and in each of them, uh, they're they're cubic shaped cells, and in each of them, someone is is suffering horribly. Like he watched a woman uh, who just died of a car crash fall into one of these cells, and it contained a picturesque scene of her grandmother's farmhouse. Her long dead grandmother appeared to her saying, dear Puddin, you made it to heaven. I'm so glad you're here. And the woman thought she was in her childhood paradise. But Brian knew that in her life, this woman had punished her own children severely and beat them. And so whenever she disobeyed in this vision, her grandmother would likewise beat her horribly until she was bleeding. And then everything would reset. She would do it again. She would do it again. She would do it again. It was just this eternal, it's like Satan's, it's like this idea of Satan's imitation, because all Satan does is imitate God. His imitation of eternity is to put, it's not the end of time, it's time on a loop, just over and over and over again. And so like he would go through this whole scenario of torture and death and then just whoop, come back, do it again, and whoop, come back and go. He saw another cube with a man playing pool, like billiards. Uh, who believed it was his break until the next punishment. The man was a was a child serial killer and abuser from the 1940s. Brian saw demon people enter the cube and begin tearing him alive, tearing him apart. Then a giant snake-like demon would come down and swallow the man whole, at which point the small demons would call out and say, that wasn't fair, we didn't have our, our chance with him yet. Then the snake demon would regurgitate the man back onto the pool table, mutilated, bloody, folded with a venom, swollen, pussy, and the small demons would again jump on him and tear him apart with their claws. And then that man would all of a sudden, 
go back to the beginning completely whole, and it would happen again. And it would happen again. It would happen again. He passed in other cubes, other cube cells, he passed a temple prostitute from Corinth in 69 AD uh, who was suffering for putting offering uh, babies to the flames uh, to a to an idol. He came across a woman who had been who had practiced witchcraft hundreds of years ago. Uh, he saw a woman that that worshiped Mother Earth, and she believed that uh, the trees and the rocks would save her. And the, the demons would come to her and they would pick up rocks and say, can these stones save you? And then they would beat her to death with them. And it would reset. It would happen again. And of course, of course, he saw in one cell Adolf Hitler. Because of course he did. Because everyone that goes to hell has got to see Hitler, just like everyone's got to have a Native American spirit guide. And no one's house can be haunted unless it's on a Native American burial ground. It's just one of those things that has to happen. And really um, <laughs> makes you question the validity of this whole man's story. But for, yeah, he gets to see Hitler. Okay, he sees Hitler. And Hitler is just, he's sitting in a cage. And he burns to ashes. And then he resets and he burns to ashes again. Which Brian believes is his ironic punishment for the Holocaust. And burning people in ovens. And so forth and so on. And finally, he, he, he uh, the demons lead him to a cell where they say, this is yours. And it looks like a dentist chair set up in the cube. And that looks pretty terrifying. And then God pulls him out of it, places him back in his body. And um, he wakes up in the hospital and he asks the doctor, am I in a cube? And the doctor says, what? No, you're in a hospital. And after that, he turned his life around because he didn't want to go back there ever. And uh, he was told to tell people about it. And now I have helped him do his mission by telling all you about it. And hopefully you're all reminded that the afterlife is not necessarily all love and light, and that uh, the purpose of religion isn't just to build a based and red-pilled society. It is to it is concerned with things eternal. How did you feel about all of those stories, Gabby? Um, they're interesting. I don't. I'm like by default kind of skeptical of that kind of stuff. I think you should be. I don't think. I think that and, there's very little chance he saw Hitler in hell. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, like d demons not, aren't not, not to clarify, not that I don't not that I know if Hitler went to hell or not. He very well might have. But I think that God showing you Hitler in hell would be sort of like just too on the nose. Yeah. And I think too that the whole afterlife, it's it's very complicated. And a lot of people have this very simple sort of concept of, oh, if you're good, you go to heaven, and if you're bad, you go to hell. And I, I think it's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, which is almost a, even another entire conversation. Definitely, a, definitely a fair criticism. I think the one I most believe is the first guy. That sounds the most valid to me because it's the. Felt... Um, yeah, go ahead. The, no, I was going to say the second one with the people dragging the guy away and like torturing him and ripping him apart. I've yeah. heard similar NDE stories before like that. That is a common motif. It is. So that lends some credence to it. Um, it was just, I don't, and you know, it may not be, uh, people speak in motifs and they speak in ways they've heard people speak before. And to me, a lot of the stuff, not that I at all don't believe in Jesus in the afterlife, but the way they depict Jesus acting always seems so campy. And like, yeah. like that's sort of like I don't like I'm not sure he would do that. Maybe he does though. I don't know. 
you know, uh, but it's just, or maybe that's the way they perceived it because that's the best way that it could be communicated to them. I don't know. You know, that's maybe because possibility too. every time I hear stories where people are like, Oh yeah, I totally got to see what heaven was like and stuff. And it's always like a child's like Sunday school conception of heaven. Yeah. And there's like, Oh yeah. There's like, everybody was happy and you could like fly. And it's like, okay, well, I think heaven is something that's like exists in dimensions higher than ours. And it's something that like our brains can't even comprehend like what the experience will be like. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely possible. I mean, it, it may be, it may be what every child thinks of paradise. Cause that would be cool. You know? Uh, I think it's just, way more amazing than that. Yeah, that I do too. Um, and, and one of the best depictions I think of heaven that I ever seen is, uh, the way C.S. Lewis wrote about it in The Great Divorce. Have you ever read that book? Yeah, it's the one with the bus, right? The one with the bus. The way he talks about heaven is like this eternal ascent up this mountain where everything gets like more and more real. Yeah, that, that was in uh, the last Narnia book, too. Yeah. They keep going for, further up and further in. Yeah, further up and further in. And yeah. I've always liked that depiction. Um, but I do think maybe, I think there's a couple things going on. I think one, people may have. Because a lot of the, I didn't specify this, but a lot of the people did say like I'm I'm telling you this story the best I can, but it, it was also beyond words. And so yeah, I think a lot of people it is beyond words, but this is the best way they can describe it. That's part of yeah, it. Yeah, like when people do psychedelics, they say like a similar thing. Yeah, and I think also maybe that things are like if you're being shown a vision to return, you may be shown a vision of specific things to communicate a specific message. Um, yeah, so that's maybe. also a possibility. I don't know, but it's but just, the other thing. Yeah. It's just, I was going to say the other thing too is it just goes back to what I was saying where everybody has this super sort of simple concept of like, Oh yeah, you die and you go to heaven. If you're good, that's not exactly true because at the end, the earth and heaven and earth are going to be like destroyed. There's going to be a new heaven and earth. Everybody gets resurrected bodies and lives yeah, life yeah. in the new earth. It's not like you just go to heaven and sit on a cloud for eternity. Right. Right. Um, but those sort of considerations are why people do religion, not because the architecture is better. And I don't think, I think we have to, we have to disentangle the right wing that wants to use Christianity just as a political tool. Like they would use, like, that's what Islam is for. Islam is a political ideology dressed up as a religion. And I'm not criticizing it. That's just what it is. Um, mm -hmm. It is a way to control society. And a lot of Muslims do have a deep, genuine faith. Not saying that it's not, it doesn't have that element too. But it is primarily a system of law. Like the primary aspect of Islam is Sharia, which just means law. So saying Sharia law is just law, law. So it's weird. Sharia. It's a way of doing society that orders it in a certain way that's beneficial. Uh, and that is great. That has some great aspects. Christianity has that as part of it, but it's it's not that's a tertiary thing to to Christianity, in my opinion. You can't really get to that unless you actually have a focus on the things that are eternal at the beginning. I think, maybe. I don't know. I just certain of it's just made me mad. So I decided. <laughs> <laughs> to do that episode. He'll do but that. He will. He will. Well, everyone, uh, until next time, I hope none of you go to hell uh, in, in, until next time. Not, not afterwards either. But 
in between now and the next episode, I hope that all of you do not have any visions of going to hell or being dragged into a hospital hallway and ripped apart by demons. And that is, uh, I think if we can avoid that, um, it'll be well, I think if you can avoid that, it'll be well worth the uh, $100 you spent on Gumroad to keep that from happening. Be well, everyone. Peace out.